All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show, coming to you live from Tampa, where I'm just trying to stay cool after covering Game Three of the Stanley Cup Final. Mike McKenna, our senior writer at Daily Faceoff, is. Uh, at his home in St. Louis, the usual closet of fame coming to you live from there. And uh, we're excited to be back for another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is June 21st. And Mike, we've got a lot of ground to cover with that wild game three of the Stanley Cup final, probably one that few saw coming outside of the Tampa Bay locker room. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's dive in with just that. What'd you make of the Tampa Bay Lightning coming back from the dead in game three? About what you thought? Better than you thought? How did it look? Uh, I don't think that the Lightning are zombies, but they're kind of close to it in how the game's played out in Colorado and coming back. And like you said, just bang, here's Tampa Bay. Because the first 20 minutes look like a different team. You look at how hard Tampa Bay forechecked, the crowd gets going. And even though they ended up down in the game, goal called back, it didn't matter. They come out of the first period, they, they grab a lead. And and I just think that for me, Tampa had a lot of gutsy performances that really mattered. Nick Paul gets hurt, comes back, finishes and scores. Perry, Bogosian, Hagel all had tough moments on the bench, gotten out injuries. Kucherov even left the game and they still managed to find a way. But I think for Tampa, it was really some structural changes they made, Frank. 
Like they got out of their zone better. They did it. They flipped a ton of pucks rather than trying to force plays in their own defensive zone on the breakout. And I think that was a tactical advantage for Tampa that pushed Colorado back and put them on their heels a little bit. So um, this was something that Tampa one needed. They also needed saves from their goaltender. Vasilevsky was really good. JT Comfort's probably got the voodoo doll out after like three or four massive saves from Vasilevsky on him. So um, I was impressed with Tampa. The real question just remains, can they replicate that in game four? Because if they can do what they did in game three, they may be going back to Colorado tied two to two in the series. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. Just a quick injury update for you from the Tampa Bay Lightning practice this morning at Amelie Arena. Uh, John Cooper, their coach, revealed that Braden Point is probably unlikely to play in Game 4, but he does expect Nikita Kucherov to play, which is a big boost for this team given how well Kucherov played in Game 3. Really, all of Tampa's stars came to play, Mm -hmm. so it was a nice blend, Mike, of the players that were willing to consistently pay the price, and at both ends of the ice, they led the and had a huge advantage over the abs and shot blocks 27 to 12 in their own end. And then at the other end of the ice had a huge advantage in inner slot shots where they were really Mm -hmm. able to make life difficult for Darcy Kemper, who allowed five goals on 21 shots before being pulled. So when you add it all up, you know, and the Tampa Bay lightning stars able to play at that level again, Hedman has a huge bounce back game, you know, leads the team in ice time two assists and, and I mentioned Kucherov becoming just the fourth player in NHL history to have 25 or more points in three consecutive postseasons. They're really not all that far away now from evening this up. And they've been there before. You know, they came back from down 2 nothing against the Rangers in the exact same way. So experience is on their side. I also thought Ryan McDonough was fantastic last night. And I thought he had struggled the first two games. That's a huge component for Tampa Bay. Um, some of the players you mentioned, I mean, Kucherov, I think the confidence level was just there last night for Tampa. And it started from that good feeling, getting out, getting hits, getting involved right away. I don't think Kucherov makes that backhand pass through everybody to Stamkos in the slot with, unless he's feeling the flow. And it was through the lineup. So um, impressive performance up front and really in all facets for Tampa. Yeah, I wanted to give some love, too, to Anthony Sorelli. You mentioned Brandon Hagel, but Sorelli was just right involved in the guts of the game. A little bit of a lucky goal that he scored, but he was right in the mix, seemingly every shift, helping shut down some of the Colorado Avalanche stars. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, Mike, have done something that no team has done since 1919 in the Stanley Cup final, which is lose a game by seven goals and come back and win the next one. Obviously, not too many teams losing by seven or a touchdown in the Stanley Cup final in history. Um, But when you take a look at it from the Avalanche perspective, Nathan McKinnon was saying after game three, we knew they were a proud team. We knew that they'd fight back. And he's saying now the same thing. Uh, now that the Lightning have shown they can do it coming back from a 7-0 loss, the Avs are feeling the same kind of uh, pressure or or perhaps they're seeing an opportunity to do so in Game 4 after being blown out themselves. I think this is really where we're going to see what Colorado's made of. You know, it's 2-1 in a series. They're leading. Last night, they got a little bit off the rails. Can they just recenter and refocus? And I look at last season, and that wasn't the case in playoffs against the Vegas Golden Knights when they lost. But in this year's playoffs, I get the feeling that Colorado should be fine in game four. I would really expect a top effort from them once again. And there's two areas that I think that they could have been a lot better last night, Frank. And I think the first one is that they're still dumping the 
the puck to Andre Vasilevsky far too often. And that's leading Tampa Bay to having possession from their D and allowing them to break out. It's just that Colorado in game one and two pressured so hard that it wasn't as clean for Tampa. Tampa found the release valve in the flip and that helped them move. But Frank, I did have concerns with Colorado staying in control in terms of a mental standpoint. In the third period, they looked like they were rattled. They looked like they couldn't handle the moment. And I think that Corey Perry, Pat Maroon got under t- under Colorado's skin. Look at Andrew Cogliano, man. This is a veteran player that shouldn't be in the box for three minor penalties in a 10-minute misconduct. I mean, he's coming off surgery. He's probably not going to fight some. Like, what are you doing here? How are you in the box that often? Because you can't give Tampa six power plays, even though they only scored once, Frank. It is incumbent on the Avalanche to play five on five when they can because they've been better than Tampa at even strength. So you can't give them six power plays. I thought that was disappointing to see from the Avalanche. Yeah, but their power play has continued to chug along, as you've seen. Uh, they're now five for eight in the series. And you mentioned not being able to handle the moment. What's fascinating about that is it's basically just comes down to, yeah, not to oversimplify it or to knock the lightning. It's basically win one game, win the Stanley Cup. That's what it comes down to. If you're able to go home with a three to one advantage, you're in the driver's seat and you're in a great spot to claim that first Stanley Cup since 2001. Um, you know, I, I guess I was more surprised at the way the abs were able to be contained than I was Tampa's mm-hmm. ability to bounce back. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. But I, again, it comes down to that adjustment that John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning made. And they said, why are the top two teams? Because you know Jared Bednar is going to go look at the tape and come up with a solution uh, for his own team. And that's the cat and mouse of a series. Frank, I think any player that's really invested will tell you that that's the fun of it, is trying to come up with something that works. And when you have the fruit of your labor pay off in wins and goals scored, uh, it's really rewarding. So I'd expect to bounce back out of Colorado, not just mentally, but also tactically. Agreed. Uh, let's change gears and talk about an important topic that was uh, certainly in the news on Monday as Hockey Canada executives testified before the House of Commons on Parliament Hill in a hearing with the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage about the 2018 sexual assault case uh, that was brought to light over the last couple months. The case was brought to court in April. It was settled in May, something that Hockey Canada executives revealed on Monday they had known about since the day after the incident took place. Um, and when you read and, and watch some of the testimony, there are certainly some troubling moments, Mike. And I, I thought that this quote uh, from uh, Member of Parliament John Nader really summed it up so well when he said, I find it troubling that in the last four years, no one has been held accountable. No one lost the privilege of wearing the Maple Leaf. No one lost their job. And more than that, Mike, Hockey Canada did not compel the players that were allegedly involved in this assault to even interview as part of the process. Uh, They made it optional, and that was certainly troubling on a lot of different levels. And to this point, no one has, you know, I think that's the point. No one's been held accountable. And the NHL says that they're going to do that by conducting their own investigation into the process. The only issue is how are they going to compel players to participate? Are they going to have, you know, Hockey Canada dime them out if they're known? Are they going to have cooperation from the victim? Um, 
you know, clearly to this point, the victim has not, you know, wanted to participate or go any further in the process. Totally understandable. You know, how does the NHL possibly think that it's going to hold these players that were allegedly involved accountable moving forward? There's so many question marks and so many questions left to answer. I don't think they do. And I don't think that they really at this stage are going to find a way to be able to. This is a perfect example of following legalities instead of doing the right thing here, Frank. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with Hockey Canada's code of conduct, not requiring players to testify in these types of situations or talk. And that has to change. Like That just creates an air of secrecy where people can walk away from sticky situations. There's a payout. It's all over. It's done. The one thing that really stood out to me, Frank, is that Hockey Canada said that they started their own third-party investigation four years ago in 2018, and they have yet to receive a complete report from that third party. Like, really? We're, what planet is this? And they've been advised not to make any findings from that investigation public, describing the info as privileged, but they don't even have findings yet. I, I can't wrap my head around that. How can it take four years? What it tells me is they hired somebody and then it went away because there's no chance that that third party firm is still doing work on this four years later after a settlement. And that's a huge problem. There should have been a follow up there. There should have been accountability to the third party they hired because if they weren't getting the job done, it was time to hire another third party. Yeah, and I just think it speaks to a culture of silence that's existed within hockey. And I also think it speaks to a a culture of of sexual abuse and sexual assault mm -hmm. that really you know goes through and 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 is part of almost every level of the game, you know, junior hockey all the way up through uh the NHL as well. It, it's a problem. And to think that it isn't. Um, you know, I was talking about this with a league executive last week, the idea of why, why is it that hockey seems to run into these issues and a lot of other sports don't. Uh, and I also think that culture of silence, cone of silence that we were talking about sort of helps perpetuate that. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I hope we see lots of changes that come from this and certainly a story that we're going to continue to talk about uh, in the days, weeks and months ahead. Uh, let's change gears again, Mike, and talk about Andre Kuzmenko, who chose the Vancouver Canucks, the prize-free agent from Europe this year, a point-per-game player in the KHL, uh, still in his mid-20s, someone that uh, is able to sign a one-year entry-level contract. Um, and when you look at his signing with the Canucks, just big picture, a, this is a huge win for Vancouver and, and their new GM and Patrick Olveen to put a stake in the ground and say, hey, this is a player we've targeted since the very beginning. Um, I was told that he had been in touch with, um, with Kuzmenko's representatives actually even the day before he was officially announced as the Canucks GM. This is the player that they desperately wanted, Bruce Boudreaux playing a big role in, in helping get him there. But also it helps the Canucks from a big picture perspective, Mike, be in that they're able to um, now potentially make some other decisions further down their lineup. And I, I don't think it necessarily has to do with, you know, guys like Besser or anything like that. But I do think it helps you potentially move on from some other players that might be some salary cap casualties like a Tanner Pearson or a Jason Dickinson, guys that you'd like to find new homes for elsewhere. Kuzmenko gives you cover to try and make a move like that and not expect any drop off at all. 
It gives you time and flexibility as the Vancouver Canucks because the cost certainty involved with an entry-level contract compared to a big free agent signing. And that's why I like this, because it's a low-risk proposition. For all we knew, Kuzmenko could come over and be somewhat be like some of the other cautionary tales out there. And you know, you think of Yaskin who came back from the KHL and had one point in twelve games with Arizona. And there's Shipashev. been other people, Shipashev in Vegas, right? It, that experiment lasted three games in 2017 and he'd been one of the best players in russia forever so this may or may not work out we don't know but if it works out it can be a home run because everybody's looking for the newest cabril kaprizov at this point even though he was a draft pick you're looking for someone from outside that you can get at value and again the canucks have a lot uh a lot of things to take care of here in short order contractually in the next two years when you think about besser and horvat and miller and on down the list so um i like this move from alvin because one it shows that they've been looking outside of north america and targeting certain players and they were able to land him frank like that's important here is that this player believed enough in vancouver to think this is where i want to play the coach the management all that so um it's a step in the right direction from that way but ultimately it's a low risk proposition that is hopefully going to provide some cap flexibility. It's also a no risk proposition. That's the other part that I love about mm -hmm. it and why so many teams were interested. Mike, one year entry level deal under a million bucks, some potential performance bonuses that he can earn. Other than that, if it doesn't work out, great, you shake hands and move on. And if it does, right. well, you may have found yourself a player that you can plug into your top six for the next number of years. So exciting times and exciting signing for the Vancouver Canucks. They are going to be one of the busiest teams in the offseason this summer. Mike, let's dive into the NHL awards, which will be revealed tonight, the winners, uh, in this week's edition of the All-32. No special guests today, just me and you, Mike, the way it should be talking NHL awards. The ceremony tonight in Tampa, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on Sportsnet as well as ESPN in the United States. And Mike, it's going to be really interesting because I think this is probably the closest heart race that we've had in a while. Certainly uh, a fine number of candidates that have been whittled down to this group of Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and Igor Shesterkin. You and I both turned in our ballots to the NHL's accounting firm on May 2nd. Feels like forever ago. Uh, six mm -hmm. weeks later, we will find out the winner. And we also picked two different players to win the Hart Trophy. As a reminder to everyone, uh, it's a pure regular season award only. Who did you go with and why? I went with Austin Matthews, and the biggest reason is that he potted 60 goals and put games on his shoulders and was able to – listen, I, I don't have any other way to say this. He's the best goal scorer in the world right now, man. He's got a weapon that other people don't possess, and he was doing it at such a consistent pace, Frank, that I, I can't not have him as my MVP. And even beyond that, his point totals, 73 games, 106 points – that's not that far off the pace of McDavid at 80 games played at 123 points. And it's the goal scoring factor of Matthews. And I think his game two became way harder all over the ice this year. Uh, he became a more complete player, more well-rounded player. The only knock I had is that he doesn't kill penalties, same way as McDavid, which I didn't like. Um, and I'll tell you what, like Shishjurkin, if Shishjurkin had played 65 games this year, Frank, at the level he did, he's the MVP 100% because he carried the Rangers and he's doing Hashik-like numbers, uh, but he just didn't play enough at 53. So I had... Uh, 
Austin Matthews, uh, and I haven't even looked at your ballot, Frank. So give us your lowdown here. Yeah, so I had Connor McDavid, and I fully appreciate and respect everything that you just said about Austin Matthews, and I agree in that he uh, certainly was a lot harder in all areas of the ice. The goal scoring was ridiculous. I just felt like we got hung up on a number that because he got to 60, all of a sudden that meant that he needed to win the hard trophy this year. And I still feel like Connor McDavid is the most valuable player in the league. And I, I think it's by a pretty wide margin. Um, he's the best player in the world. And I felt like at some point this year, people were, and maybe this has happened a couple times for McDavid because his brilliance has been so routine that it's like, let's find excuses or reasons why we shouldn't vote for Connor McDavid. And this is the best player in the world who has now set new career highs in goals and points. Like what, what are we missing here? Why are we not voting for this player? And I know this is a regular season award only, but I felt like watching the playoffs sort of, help justify or vilify my ballot in the sense that, you know, watching what Connor McDavid did in the playoffs and watching what Austin Matthews did in the playoffs. Like I, I just, I feel like that proved the value argument that I'm making. So I know that it's pure regular season only, but he's able to take his game to a level that other players aren't with full marks to Matthews on his season. And I actually think Matthews ends up winning, but I, I just felt like for whatever reason, people were looking for reasons to not vote for McDavid. Well, that's why we vote. That's why we vote, Frank. And and these are two of the best players to ever play the game. You know, you really can't go wrong with this. I think um, the the one knock I had for McDavid as well is that the Oilers were out of playoffs for a decent amount this year. And I know that's not all on him, but that does factor, man. It does. So um, that was one thing you look at in terms of most valuable player. <laughs> Can he do it single handedly? He pretty much did. So we're splitting hairs on two unbelievable players here. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see who ends up taking home the heart. And frankly, the Ted Lindsay, will the vote be different? Will it be split? Will one player win the heart? Will one player win the Lindsay? Uh, the player vote, you can never really quite handicap. I think a lot of players are certainly going to be smitten with those 60 goals that you mentioned from Matthews as well. Let's talk about the Norris Trophy because this one was a lot harder of a call than some might imagine given the seasons that these guys had. Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, and Victor Hedman I ended up voting for Kale McCarr here, and I really wrestled with it because I did have Roman Yossi on my heart trophy ballot. So tell me if you think I'm absolutely crazy or if I galaxy-brained this in any way. My thought process was Roman Yossi is the more valuable defenseman, but I think that Kale McCarr is the better defenseman. Does that make any sense to you? It makes sense. Uh to a certain level because Yossi just put up 96 points, man. And that's insane. Like we haven't seen a 100 point season from a defenseman since Brian Leach in 92. And Yossi came pretty close to it. I, I've had moments this year and in the past two years where I think Kale McCarr might be the best player on earth. And, and I think on the, and not just on the avalanche, you know, and that's been my hardest wrestle with it is that is, is it truly just McCarr? Does he have more surroundings? Like, I think McCarr would drive the boat on any team that he's on, but it's hard for me to truly find that out given how much talent surrounds him in Colorado. I know we're just supposed to vote on the player themselves, um, but Yossi, I think, does everything for Nashville. That's Yossi and Soros to me in Nashville. That is it. Okay. And I, that's no disrespect to Forsberg, Duchesne, uh, and Johansson that had resurgent years, but those two guys drive the boat. So I think that this is the closest one, Frank, probably in terms of voting. I'd be surprised if it wasn't between Yossi and Makar. And I mean, Hedman 
had as good a season as he's always had. And if you ask people around the league, if they had to pick a defenseman to build around, it's probably Victor Hedman. So again, we're, we're at a golden age here, but I had Yossi as mine uh, that this season, I think, especially the point totals and, and knowing that it was split between power play five on five. I, I thought Yossi brought a little more value to his team. Um, but boy, playoffs are making me think I'm crazy with the way McCars played. Well, that, that's exactly my point. I think Yossi is yeah. more valuable to his team, but I also think Makar is the best defenseman. If you were to pick, mm-hmm. to, to answer your question, a few years ago, everyone would have picked Hedman to build around, I think. But now I think everyone would pick Cal Makar. Would they not? 28 goals this season? It was ridiculous. Uh, I, I, you know, not taking anything away from Yossi at all, more valuable to his team, which is why he was on my heart ballot. Makar, better defenseman. I don't know. Maybe I overthought it. Uh, some people don't do it that way. Whoever you know ends up uh, on their heart trophy ballot in that position, they end up going in the top spot on the Naris or whatever position you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just tried to do something a little bit different this year. Let's talk uh, Vezina Trophy. You know, this one to me probably not nearly as close. Uh, Igor Shesterkin as obviously a hard trophy finalist uh, feels like he set himself apart but so many goalies had unbelievable years and it's crazy to think that Markstrom for as well as he started how many shutouts he racked up in those first six weeks uh, you know didn't generate more buzz as the season went along it sort, sort of seemed like he fell off there for a bit and Soros you know just consistently excellent for the Nashville Predators that injury was so soul-sucking for them in the playoffs you could tell how much they missed him and Shesterkin you know, not only does he take the the crown from Henrik Lundqvist, King Henrik in New York, but also has this Ranger team set up for some significant long-term success. Shesterkin, sure, you might as well print the plaque. We know he's going to win the Vesna, And for a lot of the reasons I mentioned earlier, um, he, he only played 53 games compared to Markstrom and Soros, who are both well north of 60. Uh, like Markstrom played 63, Soros 67, who Soros led the league in games. But I mean, Shesterkin was over a 930 for all but like two weeks this year, Frank. Like it was Hashik-like dominance. And he did it with six shutouts. To have a 935 save percentage with six shutouts means you were actually really, really consistent. And that's the hallmark of his game. Uh, and he had a really difficult workload in terms of quality against. And that's where, like, when you look at Markstrom, Frank, he had nine shutouts, but a 922 save percentage. So to me, that means his game had peaks and valleys to it, not the same consistency. He also didn't face the same workload under Daryl Sutter, who's that team's pretty good at suppressing shots. And um, Soros's game fell off towards the end of the season. Again, played so much hockey, but it was completely integral to the winning uh, that Nashville had in making playoffs, 38 wins for UC Soros. So it's just Jerkins to win, but there were some great performances throughout the league and goal this season. Yeah. Can't wait to watch the NHL awards tonight. The Calder trophy winner will also be revealed. Feel like Mark Sider is the guy that everyone's looking out for with his special season that he had for the Detroit Red Wings. And they're also going to reveal the GM of the year finalist, the Jim Gregory award. It'll all be interesting to watch. Hart Trophy, Ted Lindsay, who's taking it home, 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet and ESPN. Mike, awesome to be part of it again this year, uh, voting on the NHL awards. Thank you for voting as well. Uh, the Professional Hockey Writers Association is so proud to, uh, to do that every year and to do a really good job at the same time. This has been the All 32 discussing, discussing the NHL awards, which will be revealed tonight. You can see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen, delivered by DoorDash, D-F-O-D-D, if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. 
Stay on the couch tonight. It's an off night between games in the Stanley Cup final. Get all your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We saw a report from Nick Kiprios at Sportsnet over the last week saying that the Florida Panthers are trying hard to move Sergei Bobrovsky this summer. He has four years remaining at $10 million per year. Do you think it's realistic that Bobrovsky gets moved? I don't think so. I mean, the hardest part, you've got 12 million bucks in real money staring at you this year. And then the next year, it's another five and five. It does get a little bit less after that. But I mean, first, you have to find somebody who wants him and believes in him because Sergei Bobrovsky has a full no move clause. And he's not going to just go to the Coyotes or the Senators or anywhere else. Like he's going to want to go to a team that can win a Stanley Cup. Like that's part of the reason why he wants to be in Florida in the first place. And, you know, he won a lot of games this year, but I also don't think that he really differentiated himself enough in playoffs to sell him as a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. There's always been those playoff questions. So it's it's the money. It's still the four years of term. And it's the fact that he's got a lot of control, Frank. I just don't see it happening. Would you consider trading Spencer Knight? No, 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 no. Teams win goaltenders that are in-house. If the Florida Panthers are going to win a Stanley Cup, I would even go so far as to suggest that Spencer Knight will be the goalie that will carry him there one day. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think it'll be really difficult for the Panthers to move Bobrovsky, even if they're retaining half. It's not no, so much mm-hmm. the money, it's the term that's the issue. So, um, yeah. you know, they've got a lot of really tough decisions to make, starting with a their next head coach. They've got a new contract that's needed for Jonathan Huberto and an extension uh, and some other guys that they need to move out of some cap casualties. Big summer ahead for Bill Zito to get the President's Trophy winners back on track for next season. That brings us to our daily face-off daily bet segment with Tyler Uremchuk, an off night in the cup final. Are you betting on any awards? So I'll get to that in just a second. Last night was actually the first night in the Stanley Cup playoffs where I didn't have any money on the board. I couldn't get a read on it. Like I said on the show, I didn't want to bet against the defending champs, but how could you not look at games one and two and be like, oh, Colorado is going to roll them. So I totally stayed away. I will not be staying away in game four, though. So we can flash up the odds courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet Canada. They have game four already at a pick them just like game three was, which I find a little bit interesting considering how well Tampa Bay played. I'll have more on that on tomorrow's show, but series prices in the NHL, it is more, and futures bets in a way, I suppose, it's more about timing than anything. And remember yesterday, you would have gotten the Lightning at plus 450 to win this series. They win a game, it's already all the way down to plus 240. So if you think the Lightning are going to win this series, you should be getting a bet in right now. I already locked them in at plus 230 when they were down one nothing in the series, so I'm not going to drill in anymore. But if they were to win game four, I have a funny feeling we might see this series price shifted back to even worse than it was from a lightning perspective to start i think tampa bay could even be at like plus 120 if they win game four tomorrow night so interesting to see that also the uh con Smythe race quickly wanted to flash those up and take another peek at them since it's an off day kale mccarr just from that one game being a loss for the abs he dropped from minus 200 to minus 150 so if you're one of the people who believes hey colorado's gonna win this series and kale mccarr is my pick for mvp Minus 150, you're probably not getting a better price than that throughout the series either. I also think Nathan McKinnon at plus 500 
is interesting. I'm not going to bet it, but if anyone can go on like a four game heater to really change the mind of voters, it's probably a guy like Nathan McKinnon. Frank, you talked about the awards. A lot of sports books have already pulled them off. So you can't wager on them anymore. I did from earlier in the season, or sorry, I shouldn't say earlier in the season, towards the end of the regular season, I bet on both Goudreau and McDavid to win the Hart Trophy. So Goudreau obviously can't hit, but I'll be sweating out the McDavid pick tonight. I did look up the last time they were posted. Austin Matthews was about minus 300 to win the Hart. Not close. Moritz Sider was about minus 300 to win the Calder. Not close. Igor Shesterkin, minus 4,000 to win the Vesna. <laughs> that one's not close either. You're going to have to what, bet a paycheck or two if you want to win 100 bucks on that bet. The only one that's close is the Calder. Minus 110 on Yossi, minus 110 on Makar. That'll be the big one tonight. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to see it. And uh, by the way, Con Smythe, while you had that odds board up there, I really like if the Lightning are able to find a way to come back and win the Stanley Cup. Steven Stamkos at 20 to 1. Stamkos has had an incredible playoffs. He's had a great series again, a great game three. Um, he scored some big time goals and his story is one of the best of the playoffs in terms of his resurgence this year. Uh, he's a guy that's incredibly hard to snuff out. So uh, thank you to, uh, to Tyler Remchuk for our daily face off daily bet segment. Mike, that brings us to garbage time. Yeah, and I think we got something to discuss today because in last night's game, there's a video review that ended up with a goal being called back for the Colorado Avalanche early in the first period. But John Cooper, head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, expressed his displeasure at the whole process, Frank. He said, we're at the mercy of the replays that we get. Something could happen up top, but something gets unplugged and we could have no replays. And something that is a black and white call might be missed and it shouldn't. That's John Cooper's words. And then he went on to say, I don't know if I'm in the minority in this, but I don't know if that should be in our hands. It's either onside or offside. I just don't know why I, being John Cooper, have to make that decision. And Frank, I'm an old stick in the mud. I'd like to see the linesman just make the call on the ice. No video review. But uh, I'm curious your take here on John Cooper's words and your own thoughts about the review process. So I, I don't want you to fall over. So I'm glad that you're sitting down, but I wanted to give credit to Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner who said this years ago, as we all clamored for video review and wanted more of it and wanted coaches challenges and wanted all these different wrinkles added to the game. I hate it. It's all become minutia. We argue about goaltender interference and what it is or isn't all the time. We still seemingly all these years later don't have a complete and definitive answer yet. You can, you know, for someone that watches hockey day in and day out every night of the year, I'm still, I get calls wrong and I'm still miffed. The offside review, I hate it. Like the fact that it took so long to finally get a good angle, as John Cooper mentioned, he goes, my video guy is saying I, I don't have a great view of it. Is that a grainy pixel on the screen on the camera? Is that white ice behind the puck that enables it to be offside or onside? We're splitting hairs. And I watched that goal again, that puck and that play, it has really no impact on the goal. It doesn't. Mm. And I know that we want to get it right and say onside or offside, but that one inch either way, let the official on the ice call it and let's move on. If we want to debate it after the fact, the day after, we want to talk about it until we're blue in the face, fine. But to go through that you know, six, eight-minute review that it takes during a Stanley Cup final game, not only was it a two-goal swing, it felt like, for Tampa as the building was so quiet, but on top of that, it was also a timeout, a chance for them to regroup. That's how long it took. And you could just see Jared Bednar from the Avs sitting on the bench. He was almost smirking, saying like, 
you come on, this is turning in the other direction. Now the momentum, I, I just feel like all we constantly do is nitpick and I'd be so much better. I think the sport would be so much better off if they bucked the trend of all the other sports where video review just seems to eat up time after time during a game and just let them play. And if we have to argue it out after the fact, well then let's do it. Yeah. And let the refs get in on it. Let them do post game media. Let them poke everybody that's giving them a hard time. I think that's the answer. What do you say, Frank? That's not happening. There's, there's oh, zero chance. I've been, on. I've been advocating for a pool reporter <laughs> to be able to talk to officials forever, just to help get an explanation. We're, we're not yeah. looking to get into a debate. Just tell us what you saw and what you were thinking. Major League Baseball does it with umpires. I see no reason why the NHL couldn't do it as part of a transparent process. Let's get rid of the video review. Let's speed up the game and let's get everyone on their way. I like it. And let's sell referee jerseys while we're at it. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be buying those people as uh, I forget which oh. player said it, but as he got kicked out of a draw, he goes, look, 18,000 people aren't here to see you. So that's I it. think there'd be a lot of West Macaulay jerseys right? beyond him. I'm not sure who else, though. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mike, that'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked up dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight and analysis from around the National Hockey League. So much off-season stuff coming your way. We'll be back here on Wednesday. You know where to find us, 12 noon Eastern. We'll talk to you then. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and enjoy the NHL Awards tonight. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.